Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Mike McPeak, and with me today is Jeff Sire. Hello, everyone. And Julie couldn't be here because of technical issues, so it'll just be uh, 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 Jeff and I today. And, and today we're doing the movie Lucy, and as we always do, we'll start out with the synopsis. A woman accidentally caught in a dark deal turns the tables on her captors and transforms into a merciless warrior evolved beyond human logic. Um, and I guess the best way to start off with this movie is to address the elephant in the room. The movie is based yes. on the yes the the uh, the quote unquote <laughs> fact that humans only use ten percent of their brain. Okay, yes, we realize people. This is something that was made up as close as I can tell. Nobody really pin it down for sure, but probably over a hundred years ago, maybe hundred and twenty some years ago, somebody threw it out there, and it's one of those myths that's gained momentum, and everybody accepts it as fact, even though you know you can sit there and prove it wrong, and so. Yeah, we realize this is a myth, and even the guy that made the film said he knew that this was basically BS. But he said, okay, let's just set that aside and run with the idea that if a person could uh, harness uh, a certain potential, be it real or imagined, in your brain, what would you do with it? And how would you, you know, how would you deal with it? It's, it was an interesting premise to this movie here. And like I said, if you just set that aside and watch the movie – I found it kind of interesting. I mean, what would you do if you're if you were placed in yeah. that situation? The only the only issue that I have with the the premise in that is that because like we have Superman and nobody gets all bent out of shape that the the fact that people can't fly and you know can't be invulnerable to bullets and stuff like that. But some people do get very angry. Uh, the the whole mis the whole use of this you know, 10% of your brain fallacy. And the, the only issue that I have with it is that it it doesn't do anything to say, like, look, this is just an urban myth. And and there will some pe- be some people that go into the theater um, thinking, oh, yeah, I've heard about this, that we only use 10% of our brains. And then I see this, oh, maybe, you know, that's just somebody's idea of what would happen if we were able to use more of our brains. Like, that's the only issue that I have is that it kind of takes – I don't want to call people stupid, but, but it, take, it takes you know, a, a stupid premise that some people believe and kind of in a way can, can reinforce it in those people that already think that. So people should educate themselves and you know, when you, you, know, you know, see something that's uh, – Boy, that seems odd. Look it up in you know on Snopes or some other reputable site about you know whether it's you know an urban myth or not. Yeah, it's not true. <laughs> well, you so, know, and then like and then then take it for what it is. It was a good movie. Right. Uh, you know, it was and it was fun. Yeah, I mean that's basically with anything, whether it be you know a, a movie like this or you know some telephone solicitation or you know something like that. Just check it out and you know. Uh, give it the poke test or, you know, give it the smell test. If it doesn't smell right, you know, do some more research and just try to figure it out or something. Yeah, don't, you know, it's, it's kind of like anything in the world. Don't accept the face value. Always be a little, I don't want to say cynical, but always be a little skeptical and ask some questions. You know, it doesn't hurt to, you know, see if what you want to believe in, it, you know, may actually be true. There's nothing wrong with, you know, verifying stuff. But, uh, yeah, like I say. Have you heard the, 
Have you heard the urban myth of the uh, the gang initiation where they uh, they follow somebody around at night in their car and they're when they get to a rural area and they flash their lights and get the person to pull over and then they you know then then the gang murders them. Have you you ever heard this? Yeah, I think I've heard. Well, I mean, I kind of heard the premise. I think there was an email. My mother in law for a couple of years was forward would forward me all these emails that she'd get of these chains like that, and I would just like go to Snopes dot com and I get the link and I just send it back to her with the link and I just say this isn't true. You can read for yourself here. So she actually she to her credit she ended up saying. You know, where's the site you're going? How can I look this stuff up for myself? And since I did that, that was the total, you know, uh, you know, teach a man to vi- fish versus giving them a fish. The the number of emails that I get from her that are just the, you know, the, you know, garbage stuff like that have dropped to pretty much zero. So she's looking this stuff up for herself and finding, oh, no, that's not true, which is fantastic. But in that case, when she sent me the email about this gang initiation thing, it was one of these chains of like 30 or 40 people in the email. And when I went right down to the bottom, one of the early people was an RCMP officer in Alberta. So I thought, oh, oh you know what? There's an email address attached to this guy. So I actually emailed him. And he was like, you know, you know .rcmp.gov.ca or, or whatever it was. So it looked like a legit thing. So I emailed this guy and I said, are you, you know, is this – I forwarded the whole thing on to him. And I said, is this from you or, you know, do you – part of this and the guy actually emailed me back and said oh this is like the stupidest thing i ever did somebody forwarded it to me and i forwarded it on for my work account and i have been fielding these things like so pretty much right away he found out that this was not true but he has been fielding inquiries on this because his name is now attached to it for years he he has been having people contact him so buyer beware on stuff like that you know like uh if you get something that seems odd, do a little research before you start telling people it's true. <laughs> well, even if it's not odd, I always, you know, I, I, I'm one of these people, I kind of question everything. I, I guess I don't take lots of yeah. things at face value. And it, it, if it's, you know, if it's true, it'll hold up to scrutiny. And if it's not, well, then, you know, you've just kind of, you know, uh, figured out something and just, you know, avoid it and, you know, maybe tell other people. But, you know, I, because uh, like I said, I question everything. And you know it's kind of like this this myth, and you know, it, and it's one of those things that it sounds kind of awesome that you know it makes you in some way I guess feel kind of good about yourself that you know there's more. And some of it I think was probably by like um, I think Car- uh, oh um, I'm trying to remember or find it here in my uh, in the article, but I think it was kind of perpetuated by like uh, uh, the um, oh who was the guy that um, Bill the Carnegie guy that. Uh, um, Oh, you know how to influ- uh, influence oh, people. Uh, how to win, win friends and influence people. Yeah, yeah, that that guy there. It's amazing how my brain. Art, Art Carnegie, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. It's amazing how my brain is shutting down. Apparently, I'm not even using ten percent right now. But you know, it's one of those things that sounds you know really good in the motivational speech that you know you're only using ten percent and you have great potential there and all this other kind of stuff. So I think that's one of the places where it's kind of picked up some potential that you know you're, they're trying to get people to you know realize that and we're all probably capable of more of than what we think we're able to do and this just kind of and that probably helps feed this myth that uh you know if we just tapped in and utilized you know parts of our brain that we could you know be bigger better people and be able to do more things so um i can see how it it, this things perpetuate this myth and people you know 
for one reason or another like to keep it alive for whatever reason. You know, even now we we can do CAT scans and they've uh, done tests to show that even when we're sleeping, uh, that, first of all, our brains doesn't function as one unit. It's several different areas doing different things. And even when we're asleep at night, uh, it's still active doing things. So, you know, we have all this, you know, science uh, behind it showing that, you know, this is really not true. But I think there's a... Uh, something about the human spirit that wants to believe that, you know, uh, I guess maybe we all want to be Superman on the inside or something like that. And this, this myth kind of feeds that possibility. And, you know, that's kind of what this movie taps into is the fact that, um, like I say, we all have this secret Superman syndrome inside of us. And we just really like to be able to do the things that she does in this movie. Yeah. And essentially once she hits a hundred percent, she becomes essentially omnipotent, right? Which that like that 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 premise at the end like okay that's a little arrogant the idea that oh every single person is you know essentially God if you could only use a hundred percent of your brain okay that's <laughs> that's a that's more than a little arrogant oh yeah but you know to be honest here and you know maybe to, uh, you know confess something here I've always been kind of fascinated with that idea of. Uh, you know, mental powers. Let's call them, call it that. That you know, of uh, tele, uh, uh, oh, tele- telepathy, where you know we could be messages to one another, and you know, not have to speak things. And you know, and it, there's a certain appeal to some sort of a you know a power like that. Where because my problem is. I can visualize things pretty good, but to try and put it in the words and explain it to somebody, I can't do it, and I can't really draw. So I, it's kind of hard for me to get the images out of my head in a way that people can understand it. But if I could just look at somebody, and here's my thoughts, and just beam it in their head, and they go, oh, yeah, this makes sense. And to have that kind of power where you know we could you know, potentially – maybe communicate more a little more effectively uh with each other you know instead of like say this crude take ideas in our heads turn it into words and try to explain it to somebody if we could just you know our thoughts into their thoughts and we could just sit there and and play with things you know that has a certain appeal to it so that kind of thing is always you know fascinated me and then along with the uh the uh telekinesis where you know because there's times i'm just uh, you know, sitting there, and I really wish that thing way across the room was over here. I'd just like to be able to think and float it over here because, you know, there are days I'm just <laughs> a little too tired to get up and get the stupid thing. But, you know, just to be able to, you know. So, it, like I say, this movie feeds into, I think, that certain um, we wished we had uh, more powers. And it's one of those things that it, it's, you know, it's under the skin. You know, it we want to believe that, you know, it's capable and uh that the power is within us because you know like superman he got his powers from a different planet or whatever but you know this is potential you know in air quotes that's locked up inside of us i think we'd all like to tap into it so i think there's that secret desire there that everybody wants that yeah like uh as for the movie itself i enjoyed it it was a fun movie um there isn't a whole lot in the way of uh, tech. It just kind of, uh, kind of uh, the drug that she's given kind of starts her down this road, and then it just uh, kind of snowballs from there. She, she gradually uses more and more of her brain. Um, I don't know. I would I'd recommend the movie to, to pretty much anybody. It's uh, fun. Did you see how much money this movie made, though? Um. It, it it cost forty million dollars to make and made over four hundred million dollars. 
Like, why hasn't there been another one? Not <laughs> How do you do a sequel to this after she's basically turned herself into God? Well, yeah, have have another Lucy, I guess, or girlfriend right. or you know, whatever. Um, yeah, like that made an enormous amount of money. Yeah, and the guy that made this movie, um, he said he had like three influences. One was a uh, movie I'm not um, aware of. Um, basically, something about a hitman adopts a daughter, and I can't find the name of it. Oh, oh you've you've never seen that? It's uh, Le- uh, Leon the Professional. Yes. Okay, it, that's an amazing movie. Okay, so it's one part that one part Inception, which we've done, and one part Space Odyssey, which we've done. So I found that kind of interesting, and you know, I could kind of see certain you know influences in there, especially maybe towards the end and the whole kind of. Um, uh, when she's you know reaching the hundred percent capability and she's kind of going backwards in time and the whole Lucy uh, you know meeting Lucy uh, the what they consider the first um, uh, what basically aped the the missing link between apes and humans that uh, that first started to walk upright and they and they did the whole uh, I'm gonna forget which painter it is that did the whole. Uh, Man touching God thing with the finger. Um, was that Da Vinci? Oh, Michelangelo. Michelangelo. There. Yep. Yep. That's the one. Uh, you know, that's so, the uh, ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so they did that whole thing, and but uh, you know, so I could see different influences within this movie, but uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of uh, it's a popcorn flick. I mean, just you know, well, and that's also that's another fallacy of the whole idea that Lucy is the missing link. Lucy is just just uh, one of uh, our ancestors that lived on the plains of Africa. Like there is, there really is no such thing as a missing link. There, it's just like a, a continuous chain of fossil records. That the more they dig up, the more they fill in these these uh, gaps and between them. And uh, there, it, it's it's not like there is one specific link between us and anything, right? It's just a gradual movement from one to another. Well, and I, I think that kind of goes back to the way the, the human mind works. It would be easier for us to have, like, you know, a, let's call it a symbol, um, you know, that 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 transition between man and apes and just have it boil down to one thing rather than this whole evolutionary scale, you know, which spans, like, you know, thousands or millions of years or whatever. I think it's just easier for the uh, people in general to just say, oh, yeah, there's this missing link here. This was the transitionary, you know, uh, proto-human or whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, but that's that's the misunderstanding. The misunderstanding. That's the equivalent of saying, well, who's the missing link between you, Mike, and your great-great-great-grandfather? Well, there isn't one missing link. Every single person in between the, you and your great-great-great-grandfather is a link in the chain. Like, there's not just one. Like, it's just this, you know, each generation is a change. Well, there's a few people that have accused me of having a missing link, but that's probably a completely different <laughs> Um, or I was going to say, what did I mean? What was your take on the you know, like the whole uh, mind manipulation or mind over matter, you know, part of this movie? I mean, what? How do you feel about that? 
Well, I, for me, it, this was a fun movie. This, the, the most, I thought the most accurate science-y type stuff was right at the very end where she uh, sort of becomes omnipotent or whatever, and it seems to combine space-time, and it seems to like go back to she's she's going back through time and she goes back to uh sub-saharan africa and it it also kind of gives you the impression because she doesn't seem to be traveling in physical space like they're in i think they're in new york and uh it go, goes back in time to new york before uh first there's natives and then there's you know like a pre-human era and uh then she she meets lucy there which that wasn't right because lucy was in sub-saharan africa but like as it goes back in time you see the earth and then you see the collision between the earth and uh whatever uh object that that caused the moon to kind of you know separate as chunk of the earth and then it goes back to the earth solar system forming that stuff like if you go back and you watch that that is a pretty accurate depiction as we know like as we think things happened of the formation of the solar system and the formation of the galaxy and right back to the big bang. Like it was, if you watch it, you can see that, you know, like, uh, like, like it's been a couple weeks now since, since I watched it. But, uh, I think like even the big bang, it shows like the, you know, roiling things and like the, the way they think things in the, in the very early, uh, uh, time immediately following the big bang, like what was happening then? Like it was, it was actually really good. Well, yeah, and you know, you pointed out the fact that uh, uh, apparently she didn't travel in actual uh, space. She was in uh, was it New York or whatever. So that being the case, uh, the part where she got to the the Native Americans, they were showing Plains Indians, which would not have been you know in New York. That's another one of those. Yeah, true. Um, another one of those factual errors but you know we'll 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 let that one go but uh you know same way with you know uh, her and lucy she should have had to travel you know the the african continent or whatever um but uh yeah i mean that stuff uh, you know that all seemed kind of interesting and you know to yeah sit there and watch it i'm kind of thinking yeah this is you know the way that you know th- this is the way we think that you know the, the universe was formed uh um and to you know visually put that up there it's uh, it was a you know, I say it was interesting to watch it all kind of unfold in, in backwards time. Um, but, you know, the thing is, um, you know, when you sit there and you think about it, we're all basically masses of electrons. You know, we're all, you know, um, made up of, you know, atoms, which is made up of electrons, neutrons, and all this kind of stuff. And so would it be possible... Because, I mean, we're all put together in this way because this is the way science has done it. If we understand science well enough, would we be able to, um, you know, transform our bodies or would we be able to unleash the energy? In the, it's one of those things that, you know, we can't necessarily prove or disprove it. And so, therefore, it's one of those things that, you know, especially somebody like me, I like to latch onto it and think, you know, would it be possible for us to, you know, basically you know transform literally transform our bodies or to transform things around us uh just by manipulating the uh the atoms in such a way it's it, like i say it's a, it's a premise that people like to play around with well certainly like we have we have no idea how genius works so who's to say <laughs> You know, it. We know that it doesn't have anything. Like when Einstein died, and they did an autopsy and they examined his brain. His brain was 
essentially essentially now you know people who would pick this apart but his, his brain was essentially just the same as anybody else's there were there were minor differences um and a f- you know a few uh kind of like things that were a little bit abnormal but essentially einstein's brain was no different than anybody else's we don't know why he was the the exceptional intellect that he was we don't know how that was caused. We don't really have any idea. So, you know, like, uh, I like this movie because it kind of makes you, yeah, yeah, who knows? <laughs> like, maybe that potential really is inside each each and every one of us. Well, yeah, you know, it's just, uh, and, you know, as we've seen with some of our, you know, last few movies, like, um, um, oh, darn it, what was the one where... Um, Oh yeah, apparently I you know again I might I'm not even using ten percent of my brain. The movie we did not too long ago with the traveling through time and um, uh, the whole the bookcase scenario type. Oh, uh, Interstellar. Interstellar. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Apparently, you're functioning as my brain now. Um, but you know that <laughs> one there where you know time you know. Um, they didn't say time could be manipulated, but you you can kind of you know work your way through time, and so I think that's kind of the same thing here. Is that you know we don't really understand a lot. We don't understand a lot of things in the world right now. Let's put it that way. You know, as for as much as we like to embrace science and like to think that we're understanding things, my belief is that on the whole. Um, how do I want to put this on the whole science scale of you know the whole universe and everything? I'm not even sure we're up to the banging rocks together stage yet, as far as you know understanding science and the world around us and how things work and everything. We like to think that we got a handle on it, but really, there's a lot that we can't explain or understand, or um, you know, to even under- explain how the body works, or, you know, the, the spirit or any of that kind of stuff. It's still a mystery to us. Well, well, you were saying. Like uh, there's a certain amount of kind of arrogance that we have of like thinking like we are at the pinnacle of knowledge sort of thing and that we look at people that have come before us. Like we've, we've talked about that on, on other shows about there's kind of that historical arrogance of looking backwards. And you hear people talking about like for uh, SETI, the search for extra, extraterrestrial life, that they're looking for radio signals. And they're like, well, we should find these radio signals. Really? Why? We've only had radio on Earth for a little over 100 years. Who's to say that there isn't some technology that is far better than radio that we just haven't discovered yet and that radio itself is just a like a blip <laughs> in, in the chain of technology and and that any any civilization would get would you know that reached radio would quickly surpass it with whatever this better thing is but you when you hear people talk about it like oh no we've got to look for these signals you know i'm not saying that we shouldn't look for them i think that that's a, a noble thing and it, it like with the knowledge that we have right now but if just because you don't hear any radio signals i i don't think that's any cause at all for being discouraged because Who's to say that, uh, like, you know, like I said, we've only had it for like 100 and maybe 140 years. That's nothing. 
Well, so who's to say what's coming next? I mean, uh, radio for us could be the equivalent of the Pony Express was in its day. It was a wonderful thing until something better came along. Uh, and, then it was yeah, and the Pony Express again. was only around for just a few years, right? Right. I, I like the say Pony Express, so. Yeah, it only lasted a couple of years, so. Yeah, and so like I say, on the whole scale here, you know, although, we're, you know, uh, we're so you know enamored with you know radio communications because it's you know cell phones and TVs and radio and you know the internet uh, beamed uh, satellites and stuff. It's a big part of our life right now. But yeah, like I say that um, we may come to that point where hey, there's a better way. Maybe it's you know on some you know subatomic level where you don't need radio waves where it's just passes from you know substance to substance. You know, so maybe, there may be you know I'm just thinking off the top of my head here uh but you know it might be or just just even the, the just even the format that they're broad, broadcasting in like when radio first came out it was all analog broadcasting well there's very little analog broadcasting now it's almost all digital well maybe there's maybe maybe they are broadcasting with radio waves but they're broadcasting in a format that we just haven't developed yet and to us it just looks like noise uh yeah or you know and it and like I say, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. That's why I kind of like the idea of telepathy, that maybe they uh, just think in a way that's different from us, that we wouldn't, you know, we've kind of mentioned it before, like uh, on uh, the Forever War and some, you know, and I think it's been in a few other movies too, that we just didn't recognize the intelligence or the communication going on there. Uh, and so it could be that they're communicating in a way that we don't even understand. Um, you know, maybe it's visual, maybe it's, you know, something else that works for them, but we, it would be completely foreign, uh, to us. So yeah, it, it may be that we're, we're sur- possibly surrounded by all this stuff. We just haven't gotten to the point yet where we can recognize it. Yeah. And, and when, you do have you. You also hear the argument of like, well, if there's alien life, uh, intelligent alien life out there that is, you know, beyond us, why haven't they come and talk to us? Well, nobody's in. You know, very few people are in a rush to go and talk to primitive tribes in, you know, uh, deep in the Amazon rainforest. Really? Like, I don't really care about going down there, though. I'm sure those people are, you know, interesting in that. But like. What is the point, you know, what is to be gained from a species that is way beyond us to come and talk to us? What do they care? Like, <laughs> well, oh, it, okay, look at those very primitive people that are, you know, someday maybe they'll be worth talking to. Yeah, there's that or, you know, the maybe, you know, keep us a little bit humble. They may look at us the same way that we look at an anthill and go, oh, that's, you know, interesting, but I'm not going to try and carry on a conversation with them because they're not going to understand anything I say. So, um, yeah, uh-huh. like I said, we... Uh, or, you know, maybe on the flip side, because, you know, we don't know what's out there. Maybe we are the advanced species and, you know, we're ahead of everyone else and it's up to us to, you know, to be looking for things out there. So uh, what's, what's that line? uh, Somebody's got to be first, right? (laughs) Right. And, you know, as scary as it is, it might be us because I look at us as a planet sometimes and go, oh, good grief. Uh, I you know just some yeah. of the things we do, but you know yeah somebody's got to be first. But um, you know kind of back to the to the, the movie here, and it's just like I say I thought it was an interesting you know exploration of 
you know, the human potential, I guess maybe, you know, that's what they were trying to imply here. What is the, the human potential, you know, uh, within each of us? You know, yeah, it'd be awesome to be able to manipulate things and, and that kind of stuff. But I think it's just, and I, I think that's why, um, you know, it kind of hit a chord with people is, uh, you know, what, what lurks inside of us. I think we all need hope yeah. at some point. And I think uh, ultimately this is a very hopeful uh, movie. Um, like there's certainly it. It certainly plays off the the mob guys that are after her. Like there's the lesser, you know, more base elements of humanity. And but she's like as she gets, you know, to use more and more of her brain, she uh, she seems to be a, a force for good, right? Well, so, and- I mean, sort of. But I mean, at one point, I was kind of struck by the fact that. Okay, all of a sudden she has powers, and um, humans, human life doesn't mean that much to her. I realize these are people that have wronged her, but she just will walk into a room and she just, excuse me, her first you know, sudden awesome power she has is because uh, all of a sudden she turns into an expert marksman. So she can just walk into a room and without even looking go boom, 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 and just you know, waste four people. And apparently she, well, okay, yeah. She's suddenly become an expert marksman because it takes just one bullet to kill him instantly dead. So, you know, she's, you know, awesome in that respect. But uh, I just was kind of struck by that, you know, as she starts to, and I don't know if that point that she realizes that she's rising, you know, above average human potential or not, but it just seemed like uh, as she kind of gets better as humans, they become less uh, important to her. I don't know if that's quite the right way to. She, I mean, it wasn't like she disregarded she, she, humans altogether, but but she only ever harmed people that were trying to harm her. Right. right? Yeah, this is true. I don't. Like, yeah, like I, I don't. I don't think you can say that she had a disregard for life or anything like that because, you know, like she she was essentially just defending herself. Oh yeah, I'm trying to get out of a you know a bad situation there, but yeah, I mean, it's just all of a sudden she went. You know, when you first meet her, she's, uh, oh, I don't want to say timid exactly, but she wasn't, you know, uh, what you call a strong personality. But it just kind of seemed like as she grew stronger, um, uh, she uh, was more forceful and, you know, and maybe maybe it was just her uh, true side coming out uh, as she gained more power, so. Yeah. I don't think there's a whole lot else in the way of uh in the way of tech for this. She was assembling that supercomputer at the end, but they don't really that was just kind of like a blob, right? They don't really yeah. say anything about what it is or what it does or anything. Yeah, except that um was it? she ended up basically on a jump drive uh, uh, at the end of the movie? Maybe that's the sequel. Maybe they'll plug that jump drive into something and she'll rematerialize. And uh, I don't know. It, it sometimes, you know, when a movie tries to do a sequel, it doesn't. Uh, maybe they shouldn't. So I don't know if they could do a good sequel to this or if it would just be a, you know, let's cash, uh, let's milk this cash cow some more and see what we can get out of it. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to see another movie, but uh, it really kind of shocked me as to how financially successful it, this movie had been. Because I thought when it came to the theater, I remember thinking you know, maybe I'd go and see it, and it just seemed to be there and then gone 
very shortly afterwards. So, yeah, and this is a movie that uh, it it, uh, it took him nine years to do the script. So apparently, he took some time to you know kind of think this out. This wasn't just something that he you know whipped out quick or whatever. But uh, he gave some thought to it, and you know, like I say, there are movies that sometimes a sequel could be interesting, but you know maybe they're better off not doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems a lot of times that, that uh, a movie that makes a lot of money is going to get a sequel, whether it, <laughs> whether it needs it or not. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, look at the the three Star Wars prequels uh, that, you know, maybe never should have been done, but, uh, or maybe done differently. But yeah, I, you know, that just kind of looked like a, you know, a money grab in that situation. But, um yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting idea that, and you know, the the thought that she was, you know, well, did well. She says she's everywhere, but then he's holding that jump drive, and or is that all of her knowledge on the jump drive? Maybe not her essence, but maybe that's her all of her knowledge on there. Yeah, I I was a little cloudy on what all of that meant at the end. Uh, yeah, so that may be our. Uh, uh, I guess maybe that jump drive is our piece of tech in, in this, uh, you know, outside of the, the magic drug that unleashes her potential. But uh, yeah, which they don't say anything about, as though like uh, it certainly de- didn't seem like a very appealing drug. <laughs> yeah, and I you never quite understood, and you know, I guess I didn't explain, it, but you never quite understood what the purpose of that drug was. They said something about. Uh, they uh, tested on fetuses, or uh, and it. I didn't understand what what they were trying to do with that drug, um, or what its you know purpose even was. But apparently, it did something with the brains. So uh, maybe they're trying to engineer superhumans or something with it. Well, they were transporting it, right? Yeah, they were transporting it, but that was yeah. But like I, said, I didn't understand the purpose of the drug, and it sounded like and. You know, it was illegal, you know, uh, drug trades because these guys, uh, her and these uh, three other people were just basically mules to transport the drug. Uh, and so, you know, they never understood uh, uh, what the, you know, purpose of the drug was, what it did, or what their profit motive was on it. They were going to sell it, but, you know, they didn't, did it give people enhanced, you know, mental capabilities? Is that why it was so uh, lucrative to, you know, basically kidnap four people against their will and make them, you know, carry the drugs across uh, international borders. Um, I don't know. Maybe it could have been interesting to explain what the appeal of that drug was. So, Yeah. I like the director, Luc Besson. Um, I like the fact that it was kind of set in France. Um, not that I'm anti-American, but... <laughs> You know, most movies tend to be, you know, very United States centric, right. and I, I, I would like to see other settings, right? So, well, uh, no, I, that, that kind of appealed to me too. That uh, you know, yeah, even from America, I realize that a lot of movies are set there because you know this may be one of the bigger markets, and so appeal to your, you know, your big market. Well, it's it's essentially all <laughs> the the. Hollywood's in L.A. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and the majority of of Hollywood directors and writers are either in New York or L.A. So it's it's not an accident that most movies are either set in New York or L.A. Because if you're a writer, you're going to write what you see around. And if you're living in New York or L.A., you're going to set. It, it would only make sense that you're going to set your stories there. Most of them. Right. 
And I just thought, well, yeah, it was kind of refreshing to just to go to a you know a different culture and just have it you know take place there. And I don't know, maybe it was an easy out because then you could use the Asian drug gangs or you know some you know uh, stereotype maybe that would just be. Uh, you know, might work a little better. So, uh, but yeah, to go from uh, uh, was it basically Taiwan to France and then end up in New York? Uh, yeah, so it. I thought the settings were uh, you know certainly interesting. Yeah, and uh, I th- we haven't even mentioned Morgan Freeman yet either. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, <laughs> he's one of those actors that just lends kind of. Uh, um, I don't know, authenticity or gravity or just like he makes everything that he's in better. <laughs> well, credibility, because I think he can just Credi- kinda, uh, that that's a perfect word. Yeah. Credibility. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you just got that demeanor that. Uh, well, and I think part of the fact, too, for because uh, he first got his start on um, or one of his early jobs was on the uh, the. Uh, United States Educational, uh, the the PBS, Public Broadcasting System. He was one of the people on the electric company, so he started out in an educational show. So I think a lot of us who are old enough to remember seeing him there kind of associate him with, you know, education in that early start. And so then he goes to a role like this, and we go, oh, yeah, I remember him from way back when. Uh, so uh, and then his uh, demeanor and the way he looks and everything else that all kind of works together to so he can just kind of walk in there and as long as he, you know he does the voice and you know he acts in a uh, um, how do you want to put a mature you know, responsible intellectual type fashion um, and you know and they write to fit his role basically we'll buy into it and we'll you know accept this so I think he does bring certain uh, uh, skills to the to the job and makes it more believable and i think yeah if they would have had somebody at different maybe the movie wouldn't worked as well but yeah he's just um he can just deliver the lines and he does it in such a way that you want to you know he he makes it believable yeah yeah i really uh i like i I like everything that he's in well, and I think uh, Scarlett Johansson, too, for her role, because she was supposed to start out as, you know, just an average person. But then as the movie went along, she was supposed to get more intense. And I think she has the acting chops to bring that sort of intensity and, you know, um, in this case, you know, an ever ramping up, um, you know, uh, intensity or strength or, you know, uh, purpose of will to the whole movie. So I think, you know, between the two of them, they certainly uh, – pulled off their parts that they needed to and made the movie believable. Sure. Yeah. Well, was there um, any... Did we have any final thoughts on this? Um, I mean, we kind of agreed that it's a no, good movie I, it's, interesting. Yeah, I'd... Uh, I'd well, I can give you the... Uh, uh, the Jennifer test. My wife uh, liked it, <laughs> which can't be said for everything that we do on the podcast. So if you uh, if you are into sci-fi and you have a spouse that isn't necessarily into it, uh, I could give you that, that recommendation. That my wife certainly did like it, well, and uh, yeah, it was, it's it's uh, it, it's not. I, w- I wouldn't say that this is a great movie or a super influential movie or anything, but it's you know it's a great evening of entertainment. It's, um, I guess I call it approachable sci-fi. There's a certain sci-fi element to it. <coughs> Excuse me. And I realize there are some people that kind of get put off by the sci-fi genre, but this one is palatable enough that, uh, you know, um, 
somebody who's not in the sci-fi can still sit down and watch it and be entertained by it, not be hit over the head by having to understand a whole lot of you know sciencey stuff in there. It's uh, kind of an everyday, uh, every person sort of sci-fi movie. Yeah, very true. Okay. Well, I think if there's you know no other thoughts on this, we'll uh, wrap up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out on, on check us out at SciFiTechTalk.com, where there's plenty of uh, cool space junk available for purchase, or follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have any ideas or comments, please send them to Sci-Fi Tech Talk at gmail.com, and reviews on iTunes are always welcome. Jeff, where can people find you? People can follow me on Twitter at Bronco. Sire, that's S-Y-E-R. And I can be found on uh, Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have my about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. That's it for this show, and we'll see you in the future. It's the sci-fi tech